0: Amen. Good morning, everybody. It says in the book of Revelations, chapter 5, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back seal with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look on it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the, the root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne, the four living creatures in the midst of the areas, elders stood a lamb as though he had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to the earth. And he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And the scene continues that all of heaven began to sing a new song. Worthy, you are worthy to take the scroll, to open the seal, for you are slain from the foundation of the world, and you gave your blood as a redemption for your people. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory. Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne. We're here to honor the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We didn't come to church because it's Sunday. We came to honor Jesus this morning. We've sang a lot of songs about sang a lot of songs about uh heaven today i believe the coming of jesus is pretty near if you look around the world it's it's just the top, the clock is ticking and we're just that step closer let's turn our gaze to him this morning amen amen i'm so glad you're here Uh, Before you sit down, why don't you high-five the person next to you and say, I'm still waiting for the Christmas gift you said you'd give me. Why haven't I received it? You said you you had something for me. Where is it? Is it at home somewhere? Thank you. I have a TV now. That's good. Take your seats. It's great to be back. It's been about three years. It's so good to be invited by your pastors to come back. I love them. I esteem their heart. How youthful! He looks better with age. Every every time I see him, he looks fitter and healthier. So God bless you, Pastor. You're an inspiration, and it's great to be here with the family. Some who I know, and some who I don't know, but it's great that you're here in the house of God this morning. A lot has changed since I was here last. We've got since I was here, we now have three grandchildren. Here they are, right there. So. This one here is the newest one. This is Isla. She was born 19 days ago. And she's just like her mum, Sarah. Okay, I'll sw- switch to this side. This is Elliot. He's almost three. And he's my shadow. We go everywhere together. And he tells me, Pa, you're my best friend. You're my best friend. So I agree with that. I receive that. He is a joy. A joy of a child. And this, this young fella here is almost four months old. This is Luca with a K. This is our son, uh, Chris and Rachel's uh, firstborn. And he's four months old. And have a look at those beautiful blue eyes. I just look at those and I think, thank you, God. He's got blue eyes just like me. <laughs> Wonderful. But he's, they're beautiful. Um, someone said, if I had known having grandkids was this good, I would have had them first bypass the children altogether but here we are you're in the you're in the end of uh, a series Uh, first Samuel uh, is has been the teaching that we've been doing and when your pastor contacted me to come and speak he said I've given you first Samuel 28 and I thought okay I think I know what that's about And I looked it up and I thought, no, I don't know what that's about. My goodness, it's a dark, dark story about the king who goes to see a witch in Endor. What can I talk about that? And uh, I said, Pastor, if it's possible, let this cup pass away from me. (laughs) Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done anyway. We're going to preach on that. It is a dark story, but I believe I have something to share with you. And I'm going to overlay it with our modern situation that we're in today, in the culture that we're in, which is becoming more and more anti-Christian. It's not just an anti-Christ spirit that's moving through the world, but it's an anti-Christian spirit. And I'm going to say to you that we're going to face in the next 6 to 12 or 18 months intense persecution for the word of God that we believe in and we're going to have to be very courageous now with persecution often comes people who will be quitting they can't take the pressure when they go into hiding so the title of my message today it's not where you start it's how you finish it's and notice I didn't say it's not where you finish it's it's how you finish Because we don't finish exactly where we want to finish, but we can finish how we want to finish. And that has to do more with our hearts. So if you think about the Apostle Paul, he didn't finish his days reclining on a chair, drinking nice tropical drinks by the Mediterranean Ocean. He said, I've fought the good fight. I finished my race. Now there's a crown prepared for me and for all those who love his appearing. He said, I finished the race, he said that from prison, literally almost the day or the night before he went to be beheaded. So it's not where you start, it's how you finish. He finished full, he finished like he had completed his race, and that's our desire. The story in 1 Samuel 28 has more to do with someone who started really well and did not finish well and that's Saul over the last few weeks you would have been hearing a lot about his story you would have been hearing about King David and now we're at the day before he's about to have his life end and he's in incredible fear the Bible says in 1st Samuel 28 that he was surrounded by the Philistine army not for the first time you remember that he was surrounded by the Philistine army when Goliath came to taunt the Israelites and David came up and stepped up and, and faced him. But now he's once again got this problem and the Bible says in verse 5 that terror filled his heart. So what do you do when you're scared? He turned to God he inquired of the Lord and listen to this answer. The Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by the prophets. So what do you do then? And I think this is what happens. When we don't hear the word of God or, we don't, or we've gone a long time where we've switched off the voice of God in our lives, we turn to other voices. And in this case, he turned to a witch. He turned to a medium, a, a, a clairvoyant, a whatever you want to... A, someone that was heavily involved in uh, the occult and he asked her to have a word for him he went in disguise and she asked who do you want me to bring up from the dead and he said I want Samuel because Samuel was dead and now he was the one who used to speak on behalf of God to Saul he's gone so he's come and he said if you could bring him back he'll tell me what I need to do and so Saul appears, and of course the woman freaks out because she thinks she's going to die now. And so it says, when the woman, verse 12, When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice and said, Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. And the king said to her, Don't be afraid. Uh, what, do you, what do you see? And the woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming up out of the earth. What does he look like? He's an old man wearing a robe, uh, and he's coming up. And so Samuel says to Saul, why have you disturbed me? He says, I'm in great distress. The Philistines are against me and God has departed from me. Yelch. He no longer answers me either by prophets or by dreams. So I've called on you to tell me what to do. And Samuel said, why do you consult me now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? You never want God to be your enemy. The Lord has done what he predicted through me. He's torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to David. And because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites. In other words, because you were disobedient, you're you're going to be dead tomorrow. So that's the word. So very, very sad, sad story. It's not where you start. It's how you finish. Let's pray. Heavenly Father... I thank you for your presence in this room. I thank you that everyone that's listening this morning is on an appointment with your word. Lord, let it be refreshed to us. I pray that you would put within every person hearing my voice today a determination to finish their race that's ahead of them, going from glory to glory and strength to strength and not to fall away and not to go to other voices but even to return to the voice of god to the teaching of the word of god to meditate on it to draw strength from it i pray lord that you would anoint me by your holy spirit to preach this word the way you want me to preach it in jesus name amen there's three men back in 1945 that Changed something in America after the war. Three young preachers in their early 20s that started to speak at venues and eventually those venues became stadiums. 30, 40, 50,000 people were coming to hear them preach the Word of God and preach the Gospel. Three young men. One was called Chuck Templeton, one was called Bron Clifford, and the other one was called Billy. Billy Graham. Three of them. Templeton was probably one of the greatest preacher. He was so gifted. And all the articles that they wrote about these three young men, Templeton was always heralded as a great preacher. But also Clifford was a great preacher. They were all doing the same thing. They said he was they, they said he was the greatest preacher since the apostles. That's how good he was. People would come to listen to him and line up for hours to get in to listen to him speak. Imagine that, if there was a preacher in Melbourne and we would line up for hours to go and just to hear them preach a message. In one college campus in their stadium, uh, he he preached for two hours and 15 minutes and they stopped the bells from ringing during that time so his message would not be interrupted. Thousands of lives were influenced by these young men. Now, Billy Graham was probably the least... Talented he was just a farmer farmer's son from a dairy he was very grounded and he didn't have the polish that the other two had he was not as fancy he was not as gifted he was tall and lanky and we've all heard of Billy but we haven't heard of the other two anymore why is that well Templeton left the ministry after 5 years to pursue a radio career and he decided he no longer believed in Jesus or the bible He denounced his faith on the air over and over again. And there was a time where even Billy Graham came in to be interviewed in the studio and he ridiculed him that he believed in the Bible. But Billy, as Billy does, said, I know that when I get up and I preach the Word of God, the Holy Spirit does something amazing and I believe God is real. So he stood by his faith. Ron Clifford, who was greatly uh, gifted as a preacher... In just nine years, lost his family, had two Down syndrome kids, and he abandoned his kids, his wife, and he became a raging alcoholic, and he died in a horrible hotel room in Texas age 35. A few pastors that knew him took up a little collection so that he could have a half-decent burial. He went from preaching to multitudes of people to just nine years later, no one. No one, he, he died a pauper's funeral. Three men with extraordinary gifts on their lives, and yet only one stayed faithful to God to the end, because it doesn't matter where you start, it matters how you finish. Is, am I right? Yeah. So, Billy Graham went on to preach to multitudes. He went on to be a pastor to presidents and statesmen around the world to the Queen a great a friend to the Queen Queen Elizabeth he came to Melbourne and he started to preach here in Melbourne and he preached at Festival Hall and it was so packed that's where we have our services one at one of our campuses in Melbourne I preached on the same stage many times he preached there it was so packed that they moved the meetings to the MCG Melbourne Cricket Ground's greatest attendance record to this day is 160,000 people that showed up for Billy Graham. Thousands of people streaming down the aisles to listen to the message of the gospel. And as the choir sang, just as I am with just one plea, but by thy blood that was shed for me, Lord, you bid me come, I come. Well, his message went around the world. He went into Moscow, which was a godless country. He went and 155,000 people showed up in one place and 40,000 of those went to give their lives to Jesus. He's so admired, so respected. He went from dairy farm to before kings and queens and palaces. He did many state funerals for important people and he died just five years ago, March the 1, 2018, and they put him in a casket made by some of the men who'd heard the gospel at the Louisiana State Penitentiary. Just a simple coffin with a wooden cross up the back, uh, on the top. He was an ambassador for Christ. He ran the race. He finished well. And he finished giving glory and honor to God. He ran his race well. He sailed his ship straight it's not where you start it's how you finish and i know there's a lot of people in my life i've been a christian now for 51 years may the 20th 51 years um i've seen a lot of people on fire for god filled with the holy spirit today backslidden confused lost desperately sad bitter walked away from Jesus and no longer following him. I've seen others that came from nowhere, came on site, loved passionately, served and through disappointment or heartache or offence, letting poisons in their heart or not living in the overcoming power of God, left the faith and now don't walk with Jesus our church at Hillsong, you know, we're going through a very hard time. The saddest thing about this is so many of the people that were on staff, so many people that served in conferences, they're not in church anymore. They might be loosely following Jesus, but they're so broken and hurt that they're not finishing strong. And I think that that's a message that we're going to get out of 1 Samuel 28 because Samuel... Uh, the the prophet the judge of israel the final judge and prophet of israel not the final prophet but the final judge had a dilemma because the people went to him and said to him we want a king and god said listen i'm your king why do you want a king they wanted a king to be just like the others in other words they didn't want to hear the voice of god anymore they wanted someone that would they wanted someone so that they could be like the other nations in other words, not finding sufficiency in God, they started to want to hear other voices. And I think that that's the first sign of a decline of a nation. There's nothing wrong with a monarchy or whatever. But if it supersedes the voice of God to the nation, there's something wrong. And so this is what happened. They said in 1 Samuel chapter 8, they said, give us a king to lead us. And this really hurt and displeased Samuel and God said to him, "Listen to all the people uh, uh, that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king, as they have done from the day that I brought them up out of Egypt to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are so they are doing it to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly, and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Yes, you can have your king." But this king will be like the pharaohs. He will take your sons. He will take your daughters. He will take your fields. He will take your vineyards. He will take your livestock. And despite the warning, they still wanted the king. So God said, all right, I will give you a king. And we get Saul. Now, Saul started really well. He had it all going for him. Saul started, the Bible says the first thing it says to describe Saul is, Um, was that he was incredibly good-looking. He was attractive. He was tall. He was handsome. He was, you know, people looked at him and go, oh, wow, that's a good-looking bloke, a good-looking rooster, we would say. He had a big following on Instagram, I'm sure. He was an influencer. He had a lot of likes, not a lot of hates, but a lot of likes. The Bible says he was actually humble. He didn't see himself as very great. He came from a tribe that was not a, a great tribe and he wasn't from a great house. But God singled him out as says, this guy. He was also courageous in the city of, uh, he, he threatened to invade the city of jabesh gilead which was the land of the Amorites. So he displayed courage. He rallied the Israelites to fight against them. And in that case, he was obedient to God. And the story should read, and they lived happily ever after. And Saul finished strong. He was a great king of Israel. The first king was the best king. Look at how he started. Look at his strength. Look at his obedience. Look at his humility. He's got all the qualities. Because you can start really well. God, you can come into the Christian faith and have some... Really, An open heart, a passion for God, a love for the church. You know, that first love is intoxicating. I just love being with God's people. I love the word of God. I, I study, I sing, I worship. You can start really, really well. But things happen and mighty people fall if you don't watch out what's happening in here. And this is exactly what happened with with Saul. So you get to the stage where he's disobedient. God asks him to do a particular thing and he doesn't carry it out. So he doesn't listen to God. And he he thinks that God's going to be accepting of just an okay life. And God says directly to him, he says, listen... Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. In other words, Saul, I didn't want you to do all this uh, festivity and ritual. I just wanted you to do what my word said you should do. That's all. But he didn't do that. He said, I I think I've got a better idea than you, God. I'm the king after all. And I think you should be accepting of this. In other words, I'll just follow my truth and you've just got to accept me as I am. And God says, no, I want you to obey me. I want you to follow my word. I want you to do what I asked you to do. And here's the problem. He starts to get more and more insecure and less obedient. And it says, I love what, what... Samuel says to him he says to him is it not true that even though you were small or insignificant in your own eyes in other words he's he had an insecurity that was crippling and debilitating him so instead of being I am God's man and I'm humbly following the word of God he became insecure about everything and everyone he was so troubled his mental health was so out of whack that he would have to get young David who killed Goliath he'd get him to come in and play music and that music was so soothing that it would you know make him be at rest but then he would be so troubled that he'd grab a spear and throw it at him to kill him that's how messed up he became if you are insecure if you are not following God You are inviting a train of thinking in your head that will eventually take you off the track and beat you. So just as that man, that preacher, got onto alcohol to take away the pain instead of relying and trusting in God, this is what Saul began to do, became a desperate man, far from God, in total fear of his life. And now he's no longer listening to the word of God. He's no longer hearing what God is saying to him. God's not listening to him either. And he's starting to shipwreck his life. He gets so desperate in his comparison and obsession with King, with David, who he thought would you know, destroy him. He was so obsessed that he chased him all over the country to kill him. Yes. Instead of his obsession being, God, what's your will for my life? It became... How do I destroy anybody that's a problem to me? How do I, how do I take someone that I'm comparing myself to and make them look bad? This is what we do on social media, right? I'm not going to like her thing. I'm not going to like that. You know, we do it, we, we, we're so insecure. That instead of following God and rejoicing with people at rejoicing and loving people, we become competitors and we despise one another. It's a trap of the devil. It's just a small one, but it's a big one. And we get caught up in the things that Saul got caught up in. And so this picture of Saul in this desperate situation where he turns from the word of God and he moves to witches. He moves to a medium to give him a word what we're doing as a as a society and not this church i'll, I'll tell you not this church but some churches <laughs> are moving from hearing the voice of god preaching the word of god to listening to the culture of the day and then molding the culture's word to fit into the biblical story as if god has changed and he's adapting to our culture and we, we no longer know what's right or wrong we don't know our left hand from our right hand why? because we've moved away from the word of God and we've moved to the witch's room and we're waiting to listen to something that's not of God and so what's informing our behaviour that's going to shipwreck our lives if we stay there what's informing our behaviour is the cultural discussion the opinions of people the mainstream media the politicians they're telling us what we are to believe and what we are to celebrate (laughs) they're telling us you're not only going to say it's okay but you've got to celebrate it and don't try and change it don't speak out against it don't try and change it if you try and change it we'll put you in jail So we're in this terrible state in our nation where if someone comes with sexual identity challenges, we can no longer legally just sit down and pray with them because it's illegal. So in other words, the witch's room is now informing the word of God. And so pastors and leaders are no longer preaching with they're fearful of the Philistines. They're fearful of the enemy. They speak a big game about we're going to defeat Goliath we're going to win the battle we're going to be strong we're the church they say it but they're scared to speak and say this is what the Lord says it is written this is what the Lord says like Paul said to Timothy preach the word in season out of season when it's good times when it's bad times when it's convenient or inconvenient we need to speak this is what God says instead of parroting Or molding to what the world says and sadly many churches are following that that pathway and saying well maybe god didn't mean that or maybe we've misinterpreted that or maybe we need to get with the program and it's okay for people to live together before they get married it's a look they're going to get married anyway so as long as they're not having sex what do you mean by sex and and so on it goes and so we're letting the world squeeze us into its mold because we're getting our information from the witches of endor the bible calls it doctrines of demons we're getting our information from there we're molding our god who is holy and righteous and loving and gracious but just we're molding our god to fit our culture george Barner is a christian um uh, uh, research uh, organization very very reliable and they've done a recent survey on the state of the church because for the first time in australia and in america the number of christians is below 50 percent so they they've gone to evangelical christians this is the cream of the crop the people that believe in the gospel and preach the gospel and believe people's lives can be changed And 56%, over half of them believe that God is changing, God changes through history to suit the culture. Even though God says, I am the Lord and I do not change. Even though the word of God says, I am the same yesterday, today and forever. So why I'm saying that is because... We have the Word of God. We know the truth of the Word of God. We know know what it said for centuries and generations. But now we have another voice trying to tell us what to say, and we're so scared to say the truth because you know if we do, well then we're going to get cancelled, or we're going to get hated, or or we're going to get put in a box and called names. You're a bigot. You're a this or you're a that. That's a tactic of the which is the end all. We need to be bold. Because if we're not, we're going to fall away. If we're not going to live in the obedience or we doubt what God has said, we go back to the Garden of Eden where God said to them, did God really say that? Is that really the truth that you'll die? He knows that when you just do your own thing and you don't listen to him, he knows you're going to be like him. You're going to be like God. That's from the witches of Endor, you see. So we have to decide who we're going to listen to if we're going to finish strong. We live in a great country. I, I gave a history in the last service, and I won't go through it all this morning uh, in the second service, but I remember growing up, and in, when I, I was born in 1960, so I'm 62, about to be 63, in June. June 24th, if you want to send me a gift. But anyway, <laughs> mark it in your diary. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I do like gifts. Um, LAUGHTER I do like gifts. Um, 97% in the census said that they were Christian. So you go to school on Monday, primary school. Everyone had been to Sunday school. Everyone knew the Ten Commandments. Everyone knew the Lord's Prayer. Not everybody followed Jesus the way they should have, but we knew our values. We knew not to lie. We knew not to cheat. We knew, you knew not to tell lies and give false, um, you know, it. Uh, false uh, testimony our laws as a country were based very much our constitution around the 10 commandments and the legal procedures of the of the book of exodus through deuteronomy and uh, and so we had a, a great nation and also if you were a christian if they wanted to give you a compliment they said to you you know pastor's a good christian man you know, this, this person, be in the newspapers, if, if, if it was a person that had a reputation that was a godly man, a good person, they'd say a good Christian person. So we had a, a, a justice system that was fair, we had an opportunity to, to work hard and not toil, we, we could work hard and, and, and get ahead in life in this country, a lot of, that's why a lot of people came to this country, for opportunities, for education. We opened up every morning singing the National Anthem and it was a prayer Mm. to God. God save our gracious Queen. Long live our noble Queen. God save the Queen. Send her victorious, happy and glorious long to reign over us. God save the Queen. We honoured God. We honoured his delegated authority in the Queen and we had a respect for authority. We were pro-life we had dignity we had education we respected our teachers crime was rare and if it happened it was punished justly you felt like people were punished correctly for their for what the harm that they caused we knew what sin was we knew what was right and what was wrong it was easy to say that living in sin or living together was wrong it was easy to To say, no, that's wrong that we abort kids. That's wrong that we do this. It's wrong. It's not right. But something changed. I think a spirit has started to sweep across our nation, across the Western world, which was very much based on biblical values by design, by choice, and prosperity followed that made nations free and people's lives worth and have meaning And that's why, uh, you know, people flocked to countries that had those things. But every day the world is changing. And we're starting to see that especially... It's almost like every day this year, it's like something new comes up that's anti the Word of God. So you get Australian health minister is asked the question, what is a woman and he cannot answer it and he says he has to take the question on notice and he comes back 6 weeks later with a you know two three paragraph version of what a woman is because the witches the satanic side is informing our our country our politics we're starting to see gender wars. We're starting to see what the Bible says expressly in the last times. There shall be some that fall away from the faith. Remember it's not where you start, how you finish. Some will fall away from the faith. What do they give heed to? They give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons through the hypocrisy of men and the lies they speak, branded in their own conscious conscience as with a hot iron. So in other words, people's conscience is now they don't know right from wrong anymore. They, you can't tell right from wrong anymore. And unfortunately, we've got a lot of people that profess the Christian faith, and they don't know either. I don't know. I don't have an opinion of that. I, I don't want to talk politics. And, you know, I don't want... You know, I'll, I'll just sort of make up my own mind in the dark. No. And especially when it comes to your children. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to influence our kids. you know. But you know what? Every day they go to school and they are preached to you go, I go to kindergartens to film for an organisation that deals with education and in kindergartens there's the flags, the rainbows and all of that goes with that in kindergartens you go into the supermarket and you see it there you get on an aeroplane, you have to see it there you, everything is preached to us and we say no, no, we don't want to say anything Well, what we're doing is we're creating a vacuum and this room will speak and God won't. You're the only voice. You're the only voice that many people are going to hear when it comes to the things of God and the word of God. And we need to proclaim it. Amen, Pastor? We need, to be, we need to be bold. We need to not be lukewarm or compromising. We, the Bible says cowards will not enter the kingdom of heaven. We need to be strong. We need to be saying like Billy Graham said that my Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, when Jesus was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness, he didn't say, look, my opinion is, or I'm not going to bow down to your devil because, you know, I I kind of have a thing to do. He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. We need to know what the word of God says, because that's what's going to keep us to the end. (laughs) If we stay faithful to the word of God, like Jesus said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and builds on those words will be like someone that builds on a rock but if you don't build on those words and you build from this room over here it's like building on sand we need to be bold declarers of the word of god this is what saul's problem was i can't hear that anymore let me listen to this so our our you know some of you i know i'm gonna trot on some feet now uh, but Some of us are more addicted to TikTok and spend more time in TikTok than we do in the Word of God. Sorry. We're more in TikTok than we are in the Word of God. And then we wonder why we're confused and why we've got... We can spend five, six, seven hours binging on a Netflix series that's unwholesome, that's giving us messages about morality that are not right and we say no i don't believe in that and that's not going to affect me and that's not going to affect me but you watch it for long enough and it will erode what jesus said that's why jesus said to his disciples you know what go into all the world and build mega churches no go into all the world and be an influencer no go into all the world and preach the gospel teaching them to observe everything I have commanded them. And while you do that, that's when I'll be with you, even to the ends of the earth. He didn't say, go there and mix a bit of what I say with what the witches say, and then find an opinion down the middle that you can sort of have people still like you. No, thus saith the Lord in good old King James that's how you don't finish strong you don't finish strong when you when you replace hearing from god to hearing from the witch now i know that's a harsh statement and you came into church this morning saying pastor i just wanted a really nice word to you know just make me feel good i've had a tough week you know i've got i've got little kids they're sinnerlings and they sin a lot and you know, I just need a break and when I come to church this is the best word you'll hear it's not where you start it's how you finish so in order to finish strong I'm going to give you 10 things and they're going to go so fast we're going to be out of this building very quickly get around the word of God again I need to do this I get a little report of how much time I spend on my phone. and I'm ashamed. Hours. I think, how did I do that? Well, I guess I, part of it's my work. I do it for work. I have to be online for my work. But a lot of it is just first thing in the morning, scrolling through and seeing more and more stuff. And I think, God, bring me back to a fresh love for meditating on your word. It is my meditation, the Bible says, every day. It is, my, it is the meditation of my heart sweeter than the honey that comes from the honeycomb. Let let's If you want to finish strong, fall in love with the word of God again and get rid of the, 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 the witches of indoor, indoor stories. Take them out of your life. Make decisions about what you watch, what you allow into your, your vision, the images you watch, the messages you hear. If that means you just watch good documentaries, do that. Because all of that's out there is designed to make you accept this message. You think Hollywood is out there trying to teach you how to love God more? no do you think the music of the day is designed the messages that's coming through the music of the day is designed for you to worship God more no it started that way music started that way to glorify God and then last century it got taken over and the last 20-30 years it's so vile so horrible so blasphemous so crude and rude And we say, it's just music. I don't really listen to it. Listen, the words get stamped in your head and they'll supersede the word of God. I'm not a legalistic person. I'm just telling you, get back in love with the word of God and find a way to do it on a daily basis. Find a chair you can sit in and say, speak to me, God, and, and fall in love. I'm going to do that too, all right? The second thing you need to do is decide in advance that you will finish well. You have to have a, you have to have a heart to say, God, it's my determination to finish strong. If you don't make this, that decision ahead of time, you'll just end up somewhere. But make a decision you're going to finish more loving, more kind, more powerful, more surrendered to God. Make that decision in advance third thing that will take you out is to you You need to make a decision to keep poison out of your heart things will happen in your life that will are designed to actually take you away and bring you to a broken place decide God I'm not going to let poison toxify my heart yes. the next thing surround yourself with people that love God run the race with people that love god now that doesn't mean we can't be in the world and we can't have friends that are in the world but make sure that most of your running is with people that are going to say come on we can do this come on we've got we can go a bit further come on don't give up now surround yourself with the right people and that's why it says in hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for god can be trusted to keep his promise Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. You don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I don't need to go every week. I don't need to go every week. I don't need to go to the prayer meeting. Come on. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some do, but encourage one another, especially now as the day of his return is drawing near. And if I could give you one more, it's the most beautiful. And I'll say this to me too, because life's been tough. There's things that happen that disappoint us and take away the joy of living sometimes. Paul experienced that. He said, you know what? We're in so much despair. We're in despair of life itself. It was so hard. There's times when it's hard and you want to give up. Here's what it says to do. You ready? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Amplified Bible. I'm going to read it over you, okay? Do you mind if I come down here? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us looking away looking away from your phone from anything that would distract us keeping our eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith the first incentive of our belief and the one who brings us our faith to maturity who, for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him, endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work, he finished what he started. Just consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself. Consider it all in comparison with your trials so that you, you, will not grow weary and lose heart. Eyes on Jesus, everyone. I'm not talking about the Jesus that the it made in the image of what the world is telling us Jesus is. Well, if Jesus is very loving and tolerant and he's just so, you know, he's my buddy, That Jesus. Jesus who sits at the right hand of God. The Jesus that's the strong Son of God. The Lion of the tribe of Judah. That Jesus. Not the Jesus that the witches are telling us that he is. Not the diminished, down to our level Jesus, who's there to do anything that you want. Not that one and the finisher of our faith. The one who has many kingly crowns on his head. The strong son of God. The saviour of the world. Not created by God. God himself. That's the one we need to believe in. Don't let the world give you an image of Jesus that's in their making. Honour, respect, reverence the Jesus that stood up in a boat and said, Peace be still, and all creation listen to it. That one. That's what we need to follow. If you want to finish strong, if you want to finish well, you need to put that Jesus back in the throne of your life and say, it's no longer I that live, but you that live in me, God. That, that's what you need to say. Has this been helpful this morning? Let's pray. Will you stand with me? I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. I want to encourage you. Finish strong. I want to encourage the men. I'm looking at some of the men. God needs you to be manly now. Stand up. Be men of God. Lead. Be strong in your faith. Don't say, oh, the prayer and all that stuff, the worship. That's for the women. Rise up and be the men of God. Finish strong. Let people look at you and say, there's a strong man of God. There's a man that follows God with all of his heart. In Jesus' name, amen. I want want to encourage you today. You know, the Lord has got his hand on you. Your prayers to God are like incense. When you pray, God hears. And your prayers are beautiful because it comes from a heart that really loves and wants to serve Jesus. I pray for my sister, Lord that you will put your hand upon her and the people that she loves in her life. And Lord, that you will let your presence every room that she enters, Lord, let the presence of God, the sweet presence of God go with her in those rooms, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let, Let me ask you this question. How many of you feel, and be honest, feel like, maybe you've slipped back a little bit and you want to go forward today. You want to say, you know what, I want to get back on the track. I want to run the race God has got before me. Uh, Maybe the pandemic took it out of you a little bit. Maybe some things that have happened to you have kind of taken you off course or maybe put you in the stands rather than on the racetrack. You're saying, Pastor, pray for me. Will you lift up your hands? Yes. Amen someone else don't be afraid don't be ashamed i'm not going to embarrass you all right let let me pray for you father you see these hands lord supernatural things happen when we pray and i pray lord for a new strength i pray for new vision to see jesus the author and the finisher of their faith i pray lord that they don't have to strive to to do this lord this is a natural thing you've built into them and, Lord, the devil's tried to take them out. The arrows have come. The, the disappointments have come. Lord, the, uh, the waiting has been hurtful. The, the relationships probably have been hurtful. But, God, I pray, Lord, today a brand new, fresh determination to get back on the track and say, Jesus, I'm going to run this race with a fresh attitude, with a fresh spirit. I'm going to offer myself, Lord, to not just live for me, but to live for others. Lord, from today, Lord, I want to hear your voice again. I want to hear the word of God afresh again. I want to cry and weep when I hear it. I want to be overjoyed and dance when I hear it, God. I want to to experience it in a fresh way in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And, Pastor, I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the man of God, Lord, and his wife, his family. I thank you, Lord, that he's an example of what it means to run the race with perseverance. Lord, I pray that as was said of Joseph, as his father gave him blessing, that he would be a fruitful vine whose, whose, whose roots go down deep into springs who produces fruit that goes over the wall, Lord, not just for his his home, but for others that walk past in a fresh way. Lord, I pray that that the, the, the greater years that are ahead of him of ministry and what you've called him to do, Lord, the greater years that are ahead, the influence that's ahead, I pray, Lord, that his roots will go down deeper and that the fruit of his vine. Lord, the fruit of his ministry, the fruit of his preaching, the fruit of his leadership will not just bless this house, but go be over the walls and bless others in the name of Jesus. That's Genesis forty-nine twenty-two, I think. Thank you, everybody. Has it been helpful? Praise God. This service has been, the Lord's been in this place. And I I want you to take that home. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. Check your heart, get rid of the poison, get the Word of God back in there. Turn off some of the voices that are coming from other places and start seeing what God can do in your life in Jesus' name.